Welcome to the Growth Mindset Gal podcast with your host, me, Allie Brooke. I help the everyday woman grow her mindset and spirituality in her daily life in order to break comparison to the Instagram perfect lifestyle. Join me as we navigate the stress and anxiety of our daily routines and reclaim our power to cultivate our most authentic life. Let's start romanticizing the mundane together. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Growth Mindset Gal podcast with your host, me, Allie Brooke. Happy Mindful Monday, everyone. I hope you are enjoying your day. I hope you are enjoying the start of your week. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I am so excited that you guys are here. And if you're new, welcome to the Growth Mindset Gang. My name is Allie Brooke, and I'm an educator to sharing her mindset journey and also bring on amazing guests to share their expertise in different mindset and wellness topics along the way. And my veterans, hey, Growth Mindset Gang, how you doing? How's it going? And I hope you guys are doing wonderful. I hope you are making strides in your mindset journey. And if you're in a little bit of an ebb and flow right now, that's okay to remember your mindset is always a journey. And always remember you are a work in progress and you're doing great. The fact that you're listening to a podcast like this and reading self-development books, you're doing the work and that is something that you should be so proud of. So thank you guys again for all the love and the support. And we're getting to the holiday season. People, tis the season. I cannot believe that it's already December. It boggles my mind and that 2023 is coming to a close. So as a friendly reminder of a holiday season, that I know sometimes it can be stressful because we're buying the presents, we're traveling, we're having, you know, family parties and all these things. Just remember that you're always doing your best. Make sure we're having our boundaries ready to go. Make sure we're being intentional with what we're doing this holiday season and what works well and what works the best for us. And make sure to articulate that to others because I know sometimes the holiday season can get a little wonky. So as we're going into the holiday season, just remember you guys are amazing and articulate what what looks great for the holiday season for you. Right. So again, thank you guys so much for the love and for sharing the major takeaways from these episodes. And it's I'm really glad that the content that's being produced from this podcast is really helping the Growth Mindset Gang. So before we get into today's episode, two announcements. One announcement you've already heard about where in the beginning of January 2024, if you Sign up for a free discovery call for my mindset coaching program from last episode, which was November 27th, all the way to December 31st. If you click the link in the show notes and you fill out the Google form and you sign up for, which is you, signing up for a free discovery call with me to check out if the mindset program is going to work for you, that first month of your mindset program, which would be in January, would be free free. So please let me know if that you want to see where the mindset program can help you in different aspects of your life. And the mindset program helps you in all different aspects of having a growth mindset where it can help you with low self-esteem, being indecisive, anxiety, all of those things that kind of encompass with having struggling with a fixed mindset and kind of finding that clarity and building a better you and building a better life and going into that mindset 
and being intentional in 2024. Now, announcement number two, where speaking of the start of 2024, an app that's really been helping me is my first form app. And the link is going to be in the show notes to join the app. And what's really great about the first form app is it helps me learn different types of workouts that's going to be useful for my goals. And also it helps with tracking my nutrition. With this app, you also have a one-on-one health coach. So with first form, when you join this app, you get to set your goals with your nutrition and your physical activity, and then you get check-ins with your health coach. There's also really great recipes. You could track your macros, so all the different parts, track your protein intake, whatever your goals might be for nutrition-wise, and looking at different workouts. And if you need an app to hold you accountable, let me tell you, it does. <laughs> because every time I'm like a little bit late to log in my food or doing a workout, it has a nice gentle reminder notification to make sure that I'm staying accountable for my fitness and wellness goals. So if that app sounds great to you, the link is going to be in the show notes. Check it out, navigate it, see if it works well for you. It's been working great for me and I love First Form. It's so welcoming and the products from First Form, as you guys know, I'm just absolutely obsessed with. So speaking of health and wellness, this actually connects <laughs> to our guest today. And I'm so excited to share who our guest is, which is Miss Heather Lilico. And Heather is a holistic nutritionist and yoga meditation teacher. She teaches overthinking, people-pleasing, perfectionists, how to manage anxiety naturally and holistically. She's been featured on iHeart and Zoomer Radio and in the National Post and Tiny Buddha. Heather is the creator of the Anxiety Support app, cultivating calm and has helped hundreds of women find freedom from anxiety and self-doubt. You guys, this conversation I had with Heather was amazing. I am so excited for you guys to listen. We talk about two major things, anxiety and how anxiety is heavily connected to your body. We talk about the physical symptoms, how anxiety shows up for us. And we talk about the strong connection, the vagus nerve, which I've spoken about before on the podcast, which is the nerve that connects the stomach and the mind. And so we go into detail about how our gut and our brain are related to each other. And when anxiety is going on, how can that have the physical symptoms that show up? So what we talk about in this episode is workouts that can help us with our anxiety, different food that can help us with our anxiety, herbs that can help us with our anxiety. So it's nice to see that there's a combination, that anxiety not only should have coping mechanisms within our mind that we talk about all the time, but also our nutrition and our movement connects to coping with anxiety as well. So Heather talks about so many great things that I think are going to be super helpful for you all. So I am so excited for you guys to hear it. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey, Growth Mindset Gang. Have you ever been super overwhelmed, anxious, or stressed in your life due to maybe your job, your relationships, your friendships, your family, and you have all this inner turmoil and it can seem like there is no way out? I felt that way. I remember when I was on the train to work one day and I had this super influx of anxiety and I didn't even know where it was coming from. And I would talk to my friends and family and significant others about it, but I needed something more. I needed to talk to a professional. 
And so I started going to therapy because I realized I shouldn't live like this and neither should you. So today's sponsor is brought to you by BetterHelp, which is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you the access to the help that may not be available in your area. You just need to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. That is two days, you guys. Then you schedule a secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. I actually used BetterHelp when I started my therapy journey. It was one of the first options I looked at because I felt like I was so busy all the time. When would I have time to go to find a therapist and then go to therapy? And I remember I took a very simple questionnaire and they matched me with a therapist. She was super helpful and useful. And I was able to text her whenever I was feeling anxious. And I was like, this is amazing. Right? And I know therapy can be a little intimidating at first and it kind of feels like dating and you kind of go through the different aspects and motions of it. But with BetterHelp, if you're not feeling the therapist that they gave you, they will switch it up and find someone better for you. So it takes the stress from you with finding a therapist that works. And you can request a new therapist at no additional charge at any time. So join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. And let me tell you, from my own experience with therapy, it is so amazing to talk to a professional about your anxiety and have them kind of go through specific scenarios and conversations with you so you don't feel alone. And they give you helpful tools in order to take on and combat your overwhelm, your anxiety, and your stress. Because you guys know, we shouldn't be living like this and we shouldn't be living stuck in our own heads and we should enjoy life. And talking to a professional can definitely help with us to switch our perspective and grow our mindset. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash the growth mindset gal. That's betterhelp.com slash the growth mindset gal. That link is going to be in my show notes. And if you're interested in therapy, this would be a beautiful, wonderful first step to see if this can work for you. And I hope you guys enjoy these services that it provides. And I hope that it helps you in your mindset journey. Hi, Growth Mindset Gang. I am so excited because today we have a fantastic guest with us today, Miss Heather, and we're going to be talking about the connection between our nutrition and anxiety, which is a topic we haven't really dived into before in the episode. So I'm really excited for Heather to share her expertise with you guys for this week. So Heather, do you want to introduce yourself to the Growth Mindset Gang? Well, absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me, Ali. I'm so excited to be here and, and have this conversation. So yeah, let me give it a little bit of background for folks. So I am a holistic nutritionist and a yoga and meditation teacher. And I started working in this area 
because I wanted to help people manage anxiety. And it was through my own experience, my own journey with anxiety that really led me down this path to get inspired to help others. So growing up, I was always kind of a nervous kid. My mom used to say that I had a capital W on my forehead for worry. Oh my God. And <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I did not love that. Yeah, I was going to say, probably you, thinking back, it's funny, but like in the moment, you're like, wow, mom. Yeah. 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 I used to, I used to worry a lot and, you know, I was a sensitive kid, like any type of criticism. And I was in tears. I was a perfectionist. I had to get top marks or I just felt like a complete failure. And I was an overthinker and it would come out in all sorts of ways. And, um, you know, I remember like applying to university and going back and forth about where I was going to go to school and like constantly second guessing myself. I was the queen of like making a pros and cons list for every type of decision. And so when I got to university, all of this worry and the self-doubt, it followed me there. And I just felt so much pressure to perform that I started having a lot of anxiety and panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had my first panic attack when I was at a crowded party and my heart started to beat fast. I felt this pit of dread, you know, in my stomach, my palms got sweaty, my vision tunneled, and I felt like I was going to pass out. So I locked myself in the bathroom and I just slid down the wall and I was just waiting for this panic attack to pass. And so ever since then, I started living in fear of like, when is the next one going to come up? So something needed to change. And I went to my doctor and I said, I'm having a lot of anxiety. Like what, you know, what can we do? And she pulled out a prescription pad and she started writing off our prescription for anti-anxiety meds. And I was like, let's, let's just pump the brakes. Let me see if there's something I can do naturally first. And so that's really what started to lead me down this journey is I started by changing my diet and I added in some anti-anxiety foods that I had researched and I felt a little bit calmer. Mm -hmm. And then I still felt like my nervous system was really amped up. So I started practicing yoga and I felt a little bit calmer, but I still felt like I had a million thoughts in my head, you know, I was spiraling a lot and that's where I added in the practice of meditation. And that was sort of the last piece of the puzzle for me. Mm -hmm. And so this is what I share with others now is a holistic and natural way to manage anxiety through the power of meditation, nutrition, and yoga. I love that. And thank you for sharing your story with us about, you know, with like how you kind of saw throughout your childhood anxiety developing, but we didn't really have a name for it yet. And everyone remembers when someone has anxiety in their life, everyone remembers like their first panic attack, like that first feeling of the tunnel vision, the swirling thoughts, the heart palpitations, the sweating. And it's kind of interesting that we kind of all go through that panic attack and we, that like stays with us for forever. And that it's so important to realize that we're not alone in that when we share our stories about anxiety, because I remember as a kid too, I was the same way. Like when you were sharing your story, I was heavily resonating with it because I was the same way where I worried about like random things. I was a perfectionist, always had to get the good grades, the people pleaser. I always needed to perform and do well. And I thought that was normal. Like you're supposed to have that work ethic, that grind. And this is just how life is. And you're supposed to worry. So then you're prepared for everything in life. Like you never want life to catch you off guard. And so we're taught by society's norms that that's kind of like how you should be living. And then all of a sudden you go through college and then your twenties and now you're in adulthood and you start to realize, Hmm, that's not normal. I shouldn't really be feeling this way. And I kind of had that same conversation with myself with being like, hmm, I feel like this isn't a normal way that I should be behaving that I shouldn't be in this constant 
realm of anxiety. And I didn't even tell like friends and family that I had. It was mm-hmm. like, I kind of realized what it was. I didn't share it with anybody because a lot of shame comes with having anxiety a lot of the times. So it's really important that we open up that conversation about how it feels to go through, you know, having daily anxiety because everyone always talks about saying, oh, like I have anxiety in certain situations, which it's completely normal. Like when nerves happen and stuff like that, new situations, being in crowds of people and social anxiety, but the having the anxiety of the every day is so debilitating. And it's so important to talk about that. You're not the only one going through it and you have control over it. And we tend to think that anxiety takes control over us and we need to rule our whole lives with our anxiety and our swirling thoughts. But then once you kind of break it down and you have a conversation with yourself and then perhaps seek help of professionals, whatever way you want to go, once you realize that your anxiety is there kind of just to look out for you, but it's overacting and we have to kind of balance it out. That's when we can kind of get more comfortable with those anxious thoughts and how to move through them and not like move away from them, but process them correctly. So the big thing with anxiety is everyone always says the overthinking process, right? That's the immediate, like when someone says, oh, when you have anxiety, what does that mean? And everyone always says, oh, the overthinking, the obsessive thoughts and the constant Mm -hmm. second guessing yourself, or did I say that right? Did I, did I turn off the curling iron? Like I've been there too, where I literally got out of my car and like (laughs) on the way to work and like it was in the drive. I was like, wait, did I turn off the curling iron? And I had to go back and check. So can you talk about the root of our overthinking and spiraling thoughts and then how to combat them on a daily basis? Yes. Let's talk about that because there are so many different situations that we can overthink, right? And what I've seen is that it's not about the situation itself. It's about what is being activated underneath. And so we got to talk about limiting beliefs if we're going to talk about overthinking. Mm -hmm. So limiting beliefs are causing the overthinking as a way to cope. And these limiting beliefs, what I'm another word for them is subconscious beliefs, right? We all have these messages that we received about the world, about ourselves while growing up. And they're sort of like these scripts that you're running through your mind. And, you know, it doesn't have to mean that we experience like trauma, capital T to have these sort of subconscious beliefs. Unless you were unconditionally loved, like 100% of the time, the most common ones that I see in practice are that we believe that we're not good enough, that we can't make mistakes, that people will judge us and that people will leave or abandon us. Mm -hmm. And if we have those types of scripts being activated that can feel very dangerous, right? It's an anxiety, as you said, is all about danger. It's not like a physical threat. It's more of like an emotional threat and emotional danger. Because if your tribe were to abandon or leave you, like that could be a threat to your survival then, right? That would be really terrifying. So let's use an example. So let's say like, you know, you text a friend and, or like an acquaintance and they don't text you back right away. Mm-hmm. That could lead to overthinking, right? That could uh, start a spiral. So what happens is we're like, oh my gosh, this friend doesn't like me anymore. I've done something wrong. I've offended them. What did I say? We start replaying, you know, every interaction that we've had with them. And we go down this this path, right? It's like zero to a hundred in the span of a a couple seconds usually. And it can get really ruminating, right? It's just like thinking, thinking about it. We can't focus on anything else because we're just thinking about this, this text, Now, we have no actual evidence that like that is the case, that this friend doesn't want to be our friend anymore, but it's activating this subconscious belief, right? It's activating this script that we're running of like, I'm not good enough. 
I'm not lovable. I'm going to be abandoned. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's never about the situation itself. It's about what is the situation activating for me? What is the root of it? Because if we can get to the root of what's going on through awareness, through mindfulness, then we can actually start to rewire and reprogram how the neural pathways are firing, right? Because someone who believes that they're good enough, that they're worthy, that they're lovable, when a friend doesn't text them back, they're like, oh, okay, they're, you know, they're probably busy. They got something else going on. Instead of going to that place of the, I'm not good enough. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be left. Because otherwise, every time you don't get a text back, you're going to go into that same pattern because you haven't addressed the root of it. Yeah. And that's so important to realize that these thoughts are coming from something, somewhere, something in your subconscious. And I like how you said that subconscious is just the thought and the patterns that we learn throughout life because life teaches us what to do, what not to do based on our surroundings, the way we grew up and all of those things. So when you have these spiraling thoughts and they kind of like overcome you and surround you, you're always like, where is this even coming from? Like, I see so many like anxiety memes and stuff like that, where like you're sitting there just enjoying your day and then boop, it's like, no, you're not enjoying your day. Something's wrong. And it's like, mm-hmm. why does that happen where we can like, nothing is wrong. You're sitting there watching TV and then anxiety of something is wrong and we can't just be at rest that we always have to be on like this high alert of any stress that is going to come our way always surfaces and so people are always wondering where does usually the root of anxiety come from and how can we cope with it in a way where we're not completely like just focusing on the anxiety right and isolating it to get through it but we're kind of using like you said a holistic approach to kind of understand where are these anxious thoughts coming from? And then how can I move through them in a correct manner that's actually going to heal that process rather than keeping the ruminating thoughts going? Exactly, right? A lot of us will just focus on the symptoms of anxiety that, yeah. you know, it feels so uncomfortable to have your heart beating fast, to have this general panic, this general, you know, rapid thoughts, overthinking. I totally get that, but we can't just focus on calming the heart rate or, mm-hmm you know, clearing the thoughts, it's more about the root of like, why is this coming up? You know, anxiety is a signpost. It's there to alert us to something. So if we can pay attention to what's the signpost, what's it alerting me to, then we can figure out, as you say, how can we process this then? How can we move through this and really better understand that root and then reprogram it to what we do want to believe about ourselves? Yeah. And I completely agree with that, that it's so important to realize and ask yourself the question all the time is, is this true? When you have these spiraling thoughts, that was literally a coping skill that I had to learn through my own anxiety journey is, is this true? Like my people-pleasing perfectionist pattern, I was always, the anxious thought is I'm going to get fired. That was always like this ruminating thought. Every time I had a job, I'm like doing everything right. I'm a great employee, but oh, Anytime I made a mistake, I'm like, oh, this is going to lead me to get fired. And that was the constant pattern that kept showing up for me. And I'm like, where, why on earth is this happening? Where, where is this coming from? Because I'm doing everything correctly. Like I'm good at my job. Where, where is this fear coming from? And I actually had a conversation in a therapy session that I had, because I go to therapy for my anxiety and they're saying, well, does that have to do with your work ethic, how you were raised, right? Were you raised to be allowed to like make a mistake? Like being fired would be like making a mistake or being mm-hmm. like a failure. Were you yep. allowed to be a failure in your childhood? And I was like, no, because I was like the good kid. I was the one that did everything right. So once you kind of dive into the ruminating thought, where did it show up in my childhood 
because that's why these ruminating thoughts are showing up in your adulthood. Like these thoughts aren't yeah. coming from nowhere. And I think when we kind of get in, into the midst of the panic attack or the anxiety and we go like to that worst case scenario all the time, it's just because that's how your brain just automatically knows how to protect you from dangers. You got to think about it. So you're prepared for it. That's all our brain knows. It doesn't realize that hmm, you have to teach your brain to talk through it, have that internal dialogue. Where's this coming from? Why do I feel this way? And you know what, what would be the worst case scenario? Okay. I, I was having the conversation with my therapist. She goes, okay, worst case scenario, you are fired. All right. Are you going to survive being fired? Are you going to be able to get another job at some point? Probably yes. So the thing that really helped me move through the anxiety and the spiral thoughts, and I would always go to the worst case scenario, was that I say, is it true? And if it was the worst case scenario, would you survive it? If so, okay, then let's just move on with our life. Yeah, it's such a good point because anxiety really does feel like life or death, right? And so if we can take that quote unquote death part out of it, like, okay, if I were to get fired, that worst case scenario, it's not actually going to be a threat to my safety. And if we can kind of tell the nervous system that it's safe, like remind ourselves it's okay, because, you know, all these patterns, these deep beliefs about ourselves, they develop in childhood, right? So when we're being activated, that child self is online. That's who's driving the bus right then Mm -hmm. is, you know, our six-year-old self. So that would feel really scary to a six-year-old, right? If yeah. if not that a six-year-old would have a job, but like if they were fired, mm-hmm. then it would feel really scary. So we have to remind that inner child, that part of ourselves, like you're safe. It's okay. I'm going to protect you. That goes a long way for calming the nervous system down. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so important to realize that our nervous system, its whole entire <laughs> reason that it's there, the purpose is to keep us alive. So anytime we feel anxiety, it's simply our brain just doing its job, making sure it's scanning for all the threats. And it's always so funny when I talk about anxiety is because our brains haven't really caught up with like our modern society and the way that we live our lives. So our brain receives threats the same way we received threats back when we were hunter gatherers and we had to either do the fight, flight or freeze. So that's why we always have those same physical symptoms or physical behaviors when we have anxiety, because it's simply our brain still doing the same old, same old patterns to keep us safe. But, you know, instead of it being a saber toothed tire coming to get us or a rival, you know, group trying to get our food or something, it's, you know, a weird response to an email (laughs) or, you know, you might've made a mistake during a presentation at work. That's what's going to start to ruminate. And that's why we have those symptoms that pop up. And what was really interesting to learn as I was kind of exploring anxiety, where it comes from, it's all about and all of its origin. The greatest thing I ever learned was that it's linked to not only it's mental, but it's physical as well. And that like turned a whole new chapter. I was like, wait a minute. Okay. So I did the inner dialogue. That's great. But now there's a whole nother part that goes into our anxiety and how it shows up both physically and mentally. So can you talk about some of the connections between anxiety and then our bodies? Definitely. So I'm glad you brought this up because we often think that anxiety starts in the mind, right? That it's these thoughts 
that are causing me to feel anxious. But if we look at, you know, our main relaxing nerve, our vagus nerve, their parasympathetic nerve, most of the connections, most of the information going on this highway is actually going from body to brain. About 80% is going from body to brain, mm-hmm. which means that our body is getting the signal that there is a danger, right? As you said, it could be an email danger. It doesn't have to be like a physical threat of a tiger chasing you. It can be that you know, your friend didn't text you back or you made that the mistake at work and that feels dangerous. So your body is getting this signal that, oh my gosh, something bad is going to happen. And then it tells your mind to almost like come up with a reason for this, right? Like come up with what is going on that, why do we feel this way? Why do we feel these body symptoms? So I think it's so key for people to tune into the body first to get curious, like, what sensations am I feeling right now? Where am I feeling this? What's going on? We choose curiosity over judgment. And then we can start to understand a little bit better, like the patterns. And when we pay attention to the body and help it feel safe, then that's when the mind will start to relax and follow. But it really does start in the body. And I think so many of us are disconnected from our body. I know growing up, I certainly wasn't taught how to process strong emotions. They were just like repressed or, you know, you're too sensitive, get over it. I was told, um, suck it up. Princess was like the big -hmm. phrase I heard in my household. And what I had to learn was how to process strong emotions, how to be able to sit with it instead of just numbing out. For me, I used to turn to food a lot to numb out. Um, I would turn to like online shopping or any type of like escape I could because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to feel connected to my body. And you know, have to face it and process it. And that was a big part of the movement practice and learning to use yoga as a way to connect back in with my body. Cause for so long, I I just didn't have that connection. It felt too unsafe to go there. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sitting here listening. I'm like, did we just live the same life? Because it's so (laughs) interesting that to kind of cope with like anxiety and I felt very disconnected with my body as well. So when I learned that our bodies are connected with anxiety, it kind of brought it back in and be like, oh, like it kind of was like remembering that, yeah, of course, like our mind and body are connected. But I was the same way where if I was feeling anxious, I would definitely, I would go to food or I would go in and I would just watch TV and kind of numb out and like not think about it and try and like escape the feeling because sitting with that emotion, that energy was so heavy and scary. Like, especially when you're a kid or a teenager growing up, you like, you want to stay with all that. You don't want to do all that. Yeah. So realizing that in order to get past the anxiety, you have to sit with it and be connected with your body is one of the most important lessons that you can learn. And you mentioned talking about yoga as definitely a great coping skill to reconnect your body when you're having those anxious thoughts. So do you want to go into more detail of how, you know, even yoga, maybe Pilates, like those slow, but important movements really help us connect our minds and bodies back together? Yeah, I think, I mean, movement is one of the, you know, the key pillars that I work with when if we're talking about managing anxiety, because it does help us get this better connection to our body. And it's also a great way to regulate hormones. So, mm-hmm. you know, growing up, I, being the perfectionist and overachiever that I was, I always went towards really intense exercise. Mm-hmm. I was a figure skater and compete and, you know, all throughout high school, I joined track and rugby and all these different sports. And I was always you know, trying to achieve something really and do these like kind of intense forms of exercise. And then it transitioned more into CrossFit and boot camp and circuit training and all that. And what I found was that I was getting really injured doing all of these high intensity sports, but I was also exhausted from doing them. And 
when we do these types of higher intensity exercise, like HIIT training, it does stress out our hormones. It's going to spike your cortisol. And if someone is already stressed out, already anxious, already tending towards burnout, engaging in these types of high intensity exercises is not doing you any favors. So these lower intensity movements, yoga, Pilates, bar class, walking, like one of the most fantastic lower intensity movements there is, that's what's going to rebalance the hormones. And I think it requires a bit of a mindset shift though, because a lot of us have been taught that exercise looks a certain way and it has to require, you know, a certain level of intensity with it. So for me as a former perfectionist, I had to really shift my mindset out of exercise being a form of achievement and therefore like getting worthiness out of it, you know, being like, I was a good girl. I exercised today, like having to shift away from that type of language and and that type of mindset. So really seeing the movement as a chance to connect with my body and do something that felt good. And when I started to engage in um, yoga, I really started to find not just that connection to body, but that connection to breath as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And use that as a tool to, to regulate the nervous system. So I encourage you know all our listeners to think about what is your relationship with exercise? What are you using it for as a chance to achieve? Or for myself, I, I use it as punishment a lot. Um, and then can we sort of like reframe that relationship and maybe go towards those types of movements that are more soothing for the nervous system, the hormones and the body. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny that you said like you played all of these sports and I was again, very similar where, you know, I played, you know, soccer, softball, and then I played volleyball all the way all through college. So I was a collegiate athlete. And so, yeah, working out for me was like lifting the heavy weights, doing the high intensity cardio, like all like working out was supposed to be intense. Right. And Mm -hmm. because it was going to make you strong. So I assume that being strong meant that I need to do these high intensity strength training workouts. And those are good some of the time, but doing them every single day, I I was the same way where I would come home from like a long day of work and then do like a hit workout. And then I'd be like exhausted the rest of the night and just like be too exhausted to even make dinner. I would be like, no, I have to make dinner now. Like it just, it wasn't feeling good. So I had to go through the same journey of switching my mindset of you can still be strong, doing yoga workouts, doing Pilates workouts, doing bar workouts. Like I, and I would use them like using smaller weights and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You're still a strong person, but the feeling you get after doing yoga bar Pilates is such a different feeling than when you finish like strength training or a high intensity workout, you feel very connected to yourself. You like, for me, at least it sparks a lot of creativity afterwards. Like I get like a lot of ideas after I finish yoga. And even when I was talking to my therapist about like the way that I work out and stuff, she even said, have you ever tried like yoga or Pilates? And my first thing, because I was like, you know, coming from being a collegiate athlete, I was like yoga and Pilates. I was like, you know, I had a very like negative connotation towards those workouts because like, oh, that's weak. You know what I'm saying? Cause mm-hmm. I was taught, like, those aren't the workouts you're supposed to do if you're an athlete. So, yeah. but I realized that those high intensity workouts and strength training, it wasn't helping me because I was already, like you said, like in this very anxious state already. So I was already mentally kind of physically exhausted. And then I go and do those workouts. So that's like heavily increasing my cortisol, like all the time. Mm-hmm. And when I learned what cortisol was like, man, that also changed the game for me as well, because that affects your body. Because I realized that I'm doing all these high intensity workouts and things like that and eating relatively well, but like I was really stuck at a certain weight and I held a lot of weight in like my lower stomach. And I'm like, why on earth 
like where, why is this not going away? What's causing this to happen? And once I learned that the hormone cortisol, which is a stress hormone, if it's elevated all the time, because you're doing these high intensity workouts and you're also anxious all the time, then that's going to keep all that anxious energy, that high stress level within your body. Your body holds all of that. Mm -hmm. So when you realize that how intensely connected your mind is to your body and how you move that body, how you take care of that body, that's how your body will present itself. So making that shift from, you know, it's okay for, you know, some weeks I'll do strength training. Some weeks I'll do high intensity. Another week I'll do Pilates. Another week I'll do yoga, having like a nice balance between the two, depending on like what I need for that day. Like depending on the anxiety levels has really helped me. And it's definitely helped me calm myself down and feel more connected with my body and my thought process and how I kind of perceive reality because those exercises give you a chance to like slow down and breathe. So you have that space to create kind of that quiet area for your mind to finally calm down. Cause your brain can't really calm down when you're doing those high intensity workouts. Yeah. It's, I mean, they're offering different things and you know, I like the point about including it all, right? Like sometimes mm -hmm. we get into this all or nothing thinking, right? Yeah. Like I'm either going to do circuit and boot camp and hit every day, or I'm going to do nothing at all. But you know, what if it was both and like, what if we did leave room for all that, but we prioritize more the movements that make us feel good, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we're using those types of high intensity workouts, cause we feel like we should be doing them or, you know, they're going to offer us like some type of benefit. Like, can we still get that benefit from something that's going to be a bit easier on our body? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's so crucial to realize, like, think about what, like you said, what's going to work best for you in your situation and what's going to work out more for just your schedule and your time. Do you work out more in the morning? Do you work at night? Do you work out after work or before work? And you have to try the certain things because, you know, we can say on this podcast, oh, do this and do that. But then if you kind of never explore that area, you're going to kind of, you're going to stay stuck in where you are in either how you're coping with anxiety or moving with your body and all of those things. So using this time to kind of take the information and just experiment a little bit. That's what I had to do the first time. I was like, okay, <laughs> like I'm so used to, you know, going to the squat rack and doing some squats and, you know, squatting like more than my body weight and everything like that. And then I would do that for like the week. And then I'll be like, okay, so now it's the next week. Now I'll do, you know, Pilates and yoga and see how I feel between the two and kind of alternate and see what works best for me for the mood, the time you know, and what's in my routine. And there's not one right or wrong way to do it. It's whatever works best for you and makes, like you said, what's going to make you feel good. I always ask myself before I work out, I go, what's going to make me feel good today? So which mm -hmm. workout is it going to be a hit workout, strength training, yoga, Pilates, what's going to make me feel good today. And yeah. so I give myself a chance to connect with my body and like, listen and tune in and be like, oh, well, you know what today, you know, I really have the energy for a strength training. So I'm going to do a strength training workout. And then, you know, I move on from there. So I kind of then want to shift into, cause how you feel in your body and mind has to do with how you move your body, but then there's a connection with what you put in to your body, which I think is such a great conversation to have. And I'm really interested in learning more about. So do you want to share the different foods and herbs and things like that, that are going to help people with their anxiety? Yes. Let's talk about food because 
no amount of movement or mindset work is going to offset not having the right nutrients you need Mm -hmm. because the foods that you're consuming, they're literally becoming the cells in your body, right? So if we don't have the proper nutrients that are going to make neurotransmitters in our brain that make us feel happy and calm and good, it's, there's going to be a gap. There's going to be a disconnect. So let's walk through maybe some of my top foods when it comes to anxiety. So the first, I'll say classification of foods are seeds. So things like chia seeds, pumpkin, flax, um, uh, sunflower seeds, hemp seeds. These are all incredible for anxiety. So they're all rich in magnesium. Magnesium is like our wonder mineral. It's involved in so many different reactions. It's probably one of the top supplements I recommend for anxiety as well. Uh, and it has a big role in helping our muscles feel relaxed. So if anyone goes to bed and they feel, you know, like kind of twitchy often with anxiety, we get those jitters that we just can't like relax the muscles. Magnesium helps with that. It also helps promote GABA in your brain. And GABA is like your brain's relaxing neurotransmitter. Mm-hmm. So seeds are a great source of that, uh, zinc as well. And they also have a decent amount of protein that's going to help keep the blood sugar stable. And your blood sugar being stable is such an underrated way to keep your anxiety managed. Because when we don't eat at proper intervals, when we're not eating enough protein, enough fiber and fat to keep our blood sugar stable, then it starts to dip down. And we start to feel anxious as a result of that because your adrenaline is getting involved to kind of kick yourself back up to uh, baseline. So seeds are incredible and so easy to work in, right? Like when I do my morning smoothie, I usually put in some flax in there, some hemp and chia just blends right in. You could do oatmeal and sprinkle them on top. You could even do like salad dressing um, and and make it with hemp seeds or even sprinkle some on top of a salad. And you're sort of aiming for a couple tablespoons a day. So pretty easy to work in, like two tablespoons a day of seeds. So that's one that people can can focus on. Another one are your leafy greens. Mm-hmm. And of course, like lettuce is one of them, but let's let's get a little creative here. So like kale, Swiss chard, arugula, spinach, dandelion greens, mustard greens. These are all rich in folate, which is incredible for mood. It's a B vitamin. And anytime we're stressed, we burn through our B vitamins. So then we need more to help us feel more energized. And I usually recommend about two cups a day of leafy greens. So this requires a bit of forethought, right? Are you going to put some in your smoothie in the morning to blend them up? Are you going to have a side salad with your lunch or dinner? Maybe you're doing pizza and you're topping it with like arugula or or spinach or something. And then let's talk about fermented foods as well. So fermented foods, these are foods with live bacteria in them. Uh, Kombucha, sauerkraut, kimchi, kefir, yogurt. And these help provide live bacteria for your gut. Now we could hold, probably do like a whole other episode right. on <laughs> gut health and mental health. But uh-huh. what I'll say is that the bacteria in your gut do so many different things. They balance your blood sugar. They make a lot of your immune system. They also help make a lot of your neurotransmitters. So serotonin that makes us feel happy and calm uh, and GABA as well, that relaxing neurotransmitter, they can help make that. And we want to aim for two different fermented foods every day. If you don't have any in your diet right now, I'd suggest just starting with one. I usually say start low and go slow with them because you are introducing live bacteria into your body. Uh, But not only is it going to help anxiety, what I have found is that there's a big connection between anxiety and also experiencing digestive problems like IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, bloating, heartburn. I certainly had that. Uh, because there's such a big connection between our gut and mental health. And 
it sort of goes both ways, this, this connection that our gut and our brain can talk to each other. So if we can support the gut, then we're going to support our mind. And also we're going to help improve uh, our gut health. And usually people experience less bloating, uh, better transit time, you know, better bowel movements when they're incorporating fermented foods. It's such a underrated area to focus on. Hey, Growth Mindset Gang, have you been struggling with finding the right health and wellness products to help you with your fitness goals? Because I've been struggling with it lately. I have been looking for ways that I can grow muscle. I've been looking for ways to endure longer workouts, especially after a long day of work. And my true goal for my fitness journey is to just become a stronger and be able to survive (laughs) the end of the day workout. And I have found a fantastic health and wellness nutrition brand, First Form. First Form has such amazing products that really can help us on an individual level with our health and fitness goals. Some of my favorites that I've been trying out is the level one protein caramel latte. Let me tell you guys, it tastes amazing. And level one protein has helped me stay fuller longer. I've been putting it in my coffee in the morning because some days I wake up and I'm just not hungry right away. And unfortunately I have coffee and we all know having coffee on an empty stomach ain't it. So I started putting protein in my coffee to help fill me up so that way I don't get that anxiety crash midday if I'm just having coffee at first. And also I've been putting in my coffee the amazing salted caramel collagen powder. Oh my God, you guys. It tastes, first of all, also tastes amazing. And I can even tell the difference between my hair, skin, and nails. My skin has definitely looked clear my hair I've been seeing it in some mirrors and I'm like wow she's shiny and also my nails haven't been breaking you know as frequently as they do between the two weeks that I get them done it's been helping me so much I've also been using the pre-workout pink lemonade and this has been really helping me get through those after work workouts I work from 4 to 5 p.m and let me tell you before this pre-workout, I would be struggling after a strength session and walking on the treadmill. I would be screaming. But now, after I'm done with my strength workout, I am still pumped to get on that treadmill and last the entire hour of my workout. And also, it tastes really good. And I've never used pre-workout before, so I was a little nervous if it's it's gonna make me anxious and things like that. But this pre-workout has helped me so much with good long-lasting energy in a workout that doesn't carry on beyond the gym it's not like I can't fall asleep at night so these products have been very inviting and very easy to use where I've always been a little bit timid of going into protein powders and pre-workout because usually when I see them they're kind of intimidating to look at but first form is such a wonderful brand they also have vegan options as well for protein powders collagen pre-workout so on and so forth and last but not least I'm also in love with their protein bars the chocolate chip cookie dough fan favorite of the house Nate and I love those protein bars we put in our bags in the morning and that's our little snack right before we work out so that way because you know that after work workout we are starving 
So having that protein bar right before the workout helps me sustain my energy and help with my muscle growth because those are the goals. So if you are interested in exploring these products to improve your fitness journey, the links are in my show notes. And also feel free to DM me on Instagram at the Growth Mindset Gal for any questions that you may have on different types of products. Absolutely love, highly recommend. I think it's really important to know how well connected your gut and your mind is. When I learned about the vagus nerve, I was like, oh my goodness, everything it like I had an epiphany, like everything makes sense because the way you're talking about how certain foods and your anxiety having those same symptoms within your gut, because one of the big symptoms that I always had when I had anxiety was nausea. And I was like, I never connected the two. I'm like, why, why do I get randomly nauseous sometimes? And then when I learned about the vagus nerve, I was like, ah, oh, one of my symptoms, at least for me is definitely having, you know, nausea when it comes to anxiety. And it is like you said before, we can really have like a whole nother podcast about your gut health and how that connects to then your mental health as well. But once you kind of realize that is that I learned that your gut is always called like your second brain for a reason right. It's because they're literally connected and they correspond with each other. So taking care of your gut is one of the big major ways that you can help ease naturally, right? Your anxiety where you, like you're talking about using different supplements and working on your gut health and having the right bacteria and probiotics and prebiotics because with anxiety, like you said, like there is some digestive issues that happen to so many people. Like I said, like I have nausea, but people have IBS and, mm-hmm. and constipation, all of these things where you think it, they're not connected at all. But then when you get to the root cause of everything, our whole body, like we should know this, but our whole body is just like one big system. So do you want to share a little bit more on the foods that we can eat that will help us alleviate our anxiety? Yeah. So we talked about, you know, a couple of foods, I think like seeds, leafy greens, fermented foods, nuts Mm -hmm. would also be incredible. Any like real whole foods, but maybe let's mention herbs as well, because adaptogens are incredible for anxiety and they usually come in the form of supplements, but they're based off of plants. And what adaptogens do is they really do get to the root of what's going on when we have anxiety in terms of balancing our hormones. So mm-hmm. some of my favorite ones that I like to use are ashwagandha mm-hmm. is such a great one. It's often called Indian ginseng and it's been shown to lower cortisol. So that main stress hormone. It's also great for insomnia. And I find that not being able to sleep is a big problem with people who are experiencing anxiety, right? It's like that overthinking, the mind won't shut off and we're thinking about the to-do list and everything we have going on. And, oh my gosh, how can I relax when I have a million things to do? Um, and like for myself, I remember, you know, when I would try to go to sleep, it would be like, I would think of like that thing that I did in fifth grade that was super embarrassing. And it was like oh, the floodgates open. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, it's a terrible time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it can be really challenging to sleep. So ashwagandha is such a great one. Um, another one that I use a lot is rhodiola. Mm-hmm. Rhodiola is another adaptogen great for balancing cortisol. It's been shown to be helpful for burnout as well. So if anyone is experiencing that in association with anxiety, really helpful. Uh, Rhodiola, you usually take in the morning. Ashwagandha, you can take it anytime. I take it before bed. 
Um, so those could be, you know, good ones to consider. Reishi as well is a really good option. It's often called nature's Xanax and, um, it's been shown to be helpful for cancer and, uh, and shrinking tumors, but great for inflammation in the body and, um, helping us feel just chilled out and, and relax. Uh, another one as well, you know, as we were sort of coming into the winter months and depression could be a concern because depression and anxiety can yeah. go hand in hand. I, I had both of them. Um, and uh, lion's mane mushroom is really great for that. So, and you can buy lion's mane in the store as well, but if you're looking for that sort of like therapeutic dose, then getting an extract formula with lion's mane can be helpful for depression and anxiety. And it's also great for memory. So lion's mane can actually uh, regenerate cells in the brain, which is like incredible that, you know, plants and mushrooms and, and things like that can do that. Yeah. And I love that we're talking about it more from like a holistic approach because we don't realize that we have all of these resources so available to us. And like, you know, not saying you have to go pick them yourself, right? There are, there are many of them are in supplement form. So if you go to like, you know, your pharmacy store or any like website that sells these supplements, like for me, I usually um, have a supplement of uh, magnesium and I take it at night. And I, you know, I mix it up and I drink it before I go to bed. That's been helping me. Um, and I think what I've had ashwagandha before I'll put in like my smoothies. That's for, for some reason I go to ashwagandha, like during the summer, I don't know what it is. Cause I, that's when I drink a lot of smoothies when it's like, hot out, mm -hmm. but that's what I, oh, I would just top my smoothie off with ashwagandha. And it just like, like you said, it calms you. So you're in that space where the overthinking and the ruminating thoughts don't take over everything. And so again, it's like, see what works for you. Maybe ashwagandha is your go-to. Maybe magnesium is your go-to. Maybe lion's mane is going to be your go-to. You don't have to do it all, but if you pick and choose the ones that work for your routine and your lifestyle, and we live in such a time too, where these holistic options are, you know, readily available to us, then not what they once were because you know, this is the holistic approach is kind of like a nuance, right? It's kind of having a revival effect on, you know, how we can help our bodies in some way. So a lot of us, you know, tend to forget that there are resources naturally, even if they are supplemental, they're still from natural resources that can help us, you know, maintain our anxiety. And so that way we can understand what works best for our bodies. So to kind of then shift away from then the food, well, actually, you know what? I had one more thing about food before we go move on. Well, how do you yeah. feel about coffee? What's, what's your, Ooh. what's your vibe about coffee? Cause I love me some coffee, but okay. man, oh man. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about coffee and okay. I, I might get some hate for this, but coffee is going to stress out your nervous system. And I especially, <laughs> I'm so sorry to say this for folks, but especially if you are already, let's, th let's think about like what's going on in the nervous system, right? Okay. So when we're feeling anxious, we're activating that sympathetic side of our nervous system, that fight or flight side, Right coffee is doing the same thing. It is activating your fight or flight system and it's getting you jacked up. And like, I think we all know what it feels like if we have too much coffee, right? It's like jitters. Jittery, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's like sweaty, heart beating yeah. fast. Mm -hmm. uh, and for me, I gave up coffee about six years ago because it was leading to panic attacks. Like I started to feel really jittery on it uh, and it was affecting my digestion as well. Like a lot of people rely on coffee to have a bowel movement. Yes, right? <laughs> moving instead of thinking about like, well, how much fiber are we getting? Like, are we not getting enough fiber? And that's why things aren't moving. But yeah. anyways, there are lots of alternatives to coffee. And I understand for a lot of people, it's a ritual, right? Like having yeah. that morning coffee, there's something about that. So, um, 
you know, even replacing it with decaf or a half calf, like that could be an option or doing uh, myself. I do a dandy blend. So it's dandelion root and mm-hmm. it's like a tea. It's very earthy and, and malty. Um, and it has dandelion and chicory in it. So it is actually supportive of the gut. Uh, you could do tea, herbal tea, even like tea with caffeine in it is going to have some caffeine, but it has a compound called theanine in it. And theanine helps us feel alert yet kind of relaxed at the same time. It's a supplement that I use sometimes for people who are experiencing panic attacks because it's very effective for that. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of alternatives. My favorite option is to suggest that we think about why we need coffee, right? Like when are we having it? We're having it in the morning to wake up, to focus, right? But if you think about it, that should be the time that we need it the least, right? We've just had sleep. So I say, let's like back up a little bit, address that first domino that's falling, that why aren't we getting restful, high quality sleep? Can we, you know, get someone to bed quicker, help them fall asleep faster with the use of, you know, supplements or meditation that helps them get high quality sleep so that you're waking up in the morning feeling rested. And maybe if we address, you know, some of those underlying issues, like, is it hormone imbalance? Is it that your cortisol isn't regulated so that it's not helping you rise in the morning? If we can address that, then the need for coffee might not be as strong. Yeah. And I remember like in college, I would have like two to three cups a day. And I'm like, how on earth did I do that? And because now for me, what worked best for me is because I realized that, you know, coffee is not really helping my anxiety, but I would have like two cups of coffee a day. Like I would have like coffee at like 2 p.m. to like get that like sluggish, get get that out of the way. But I realized that wasn't helping me because then that would lead to jitters more towards the evening and I couldn't really fall asleep as well. I don't know how I did this, but when I was younger, I would have like, you know, an iced coffee as like a dessert and like have it like caffeinated, like it wouldn't be decaf. I don't know. I don't know how I did that. Oh my God, were you up all night? (laughs) No, no, I would just go to sleep. I don't know what it was, but the older I got, the more caffeine had an effect on me. So I then stopped down to about, I have like one cup of coffee a day and that is it. I have it in the morning and I have it with breakfast because I learned that if you just have coffee on an empty stomach, that also does not help your stress hormone of cortisol, your anxiety in the slightest. So I learned to always, if we're going to have coffee, at least have it with like your breakfast, don't eat it on the stomach. And your gut, right? It's so acidic that it's going to impact your gut if you're having it on an empty stomach. Yeah. And I also learned too, that don't have it like right when you wake up. Cause some people like, especially like on the weekends, like they'll wake up and then just like immediately get their cup of coffee um, and start drinking it. Where if like you like wake up and you have like at least an hour, an hour and a half to like wake up naturally. And then if you want to have coffee with your breakfast, that's been like helpful for me at least because it's so funny. I've tried a few times because I know how it affects my anxiety. I've had, you know, either like, you know, a caffeinated tea, like I'll have like English breakfast or something like that. Or sometimes I even tried like matcha latte I've been doing mm-hmm. too, but it's so funny. It's still caffeinated, but it's not the amount of caffeine that my body is used to having at that time. And I will have a headache, like a bad headache, like the whole day. And I'm like, where is this headache coming from? Like I'm hydrated. I've been drinking water and all the things I was eating. And then I'm like, um, you know what, instead of having my coffee that I usually do, I had a matcha latte and that completely just throws everything off. So if, if people are listening and they're like, okay, I really want to do better at managing my anxiety. Maybe I'm looking into doing, you know, with tea or doing decaf or doing like a matcha latte or something like that, mm-hmm. but they have that effect. Like I do where they'll, they'll have that headache all day. How do you kind of get through it to make that transition? 
Yeah. I think it can happen in stages, right? Like it doesn't have to be cold Turkey, like all or nothing when it comes to caffeine, like perhaps Mm -hmm. if people are having, you know, two coffees, maybe you're just knocking it down to one a day, Mm -hmm. or maybe you're, if you're brewing it at home, you are able to play with the amount of caffeine that's in there and you're having, Mm -hmm. you know, just, just slightly less, um, every day. And then of course, you know, staying hydrated and, and keeping your blood sugar stable, like that's going to help with the headaches anyways. So focus on, uh, some of the other like lifestyle behaviors and things that are going to help. And, you know, I think anytime we're changing a habit, we have to link it back to our why, right? Like, why are we doing this? So that even if the headache does come, if we have a strong why of, okay, yeah, I know that this isn't doing my anxiety any favors. I know that when I have this, it's, you know, my heart's beating fast and I'm feeling jittery and it's activating my nervous system. And that's not where I want to be. Like having that why can kind of pull you forward and get through the discomfort of having the headaches and some of the other symptoms of caffeine withdrawal. Right. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. That's why I kind of, for me, it worked that cutting back just to that one has helped. I'm not like jittery anymore. And I can naturally, like I feel tired when I'm supposed to at the end of the day, mm-hmm. so it's been helping right. me. Um, so I kind of want to then now pivot to talking about how to then go back to coping with anxiety in a more habitual doing routines and things like that. So when we were talking and planning out our episode, you kind of touched on the three pillars of anxiety and then how to then cope with those. So do you want to just elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, let's talk about the the three pillars. So as I sort of shared in the the intro, you know, my journey with anxiety led me to work in the work on these areas and then see mm-hmm. the effect that they had. So I developed this three pillar system and it's mindset, nutrition, and movement. So what that means is it's about the thoughts that you think, right? It's, that's the mindset piece is learning to relate to anxious thoughts in a different way so that they're not as intense. Cause what mm-hmm. I have found is that after we have a period of worrying and overthinking, we're often like, that was such a waste of time. Like everything turned out okay. fine. I always get so mad at myself too. Like, man, yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, I wasted that that time, or, you know, I I wanted to really be present in what I was doing, but I couldn't because I was just wasting it worrying. So the mindset piece helps us address that. Mm -hmm. The nutrition piece is about, it's about the foods that you eat, right? It's making sure that you have those building blocks that your body needs to feel calm. And then the last piece is movement. It's about the way that you move your body, bringing in those nervous system regulating practices that will help bring you back into balance. Those are the three pillars. I love that. And I know you, you touched upon this before about one of the movement things was walking. I mean, walking helped me during the pandemic when we were in quarantine and like the gyms were closed and all that. I would go on when I'd be done with work, I would go outside. Cause I was like, I need to go outside. And I would just take walks around the neighborhood. It was crazy. At first I thought like I have to run, but I was like, you know, no, let me take a walk. I'd put in like a mindfulness podcast in and I would just walk and just like be with myself. And it's just so just like yoga, it was a way to connect with yourself. And it just, it inspired a good mood, a feel good worries kind of went away. And I kind of gave myself time to maybe work through any worries that were going on. So I think having very mindful movement is like so important to implement in your daily routine, whether it is going for a walk, whether it's an actual workout whether maybe it's going for, I also love bike riding too, just like going on bike trails was a big one to connect with nature as well. And being really intentional, like connecting to those three pillars, being very intentional with my everyday routine. So 
How is my mindset for today? What am I eating? How am I moving? Because when you realize, like you said, because those are three great pillars, because when you focus on those three things, it completely changes how you perceive your reality and your life around you. And how then do you respond to that life and reality when you're very intentional with those three pillars? So one of the major things you talked about with helping you cope with them, those three pillars have been meditation. So how has meditation helped you on your anxiety journey? Well, let me share that the first time, <laughs> first 10 times mm-hmm. I meditated, I hated it. I was like, you want me to sit with my thoughts, someone who has a million thoughts, most of them very negative, very mean to myself and self-critical. You want me to just sit there and have these thoughts. And so I, you know, I thought at first that meditation meant I had to clear my mind of thoughts. Yeah. And I was like, how, how would I do that? I have a million of them. And so I remember sitting there during meditation and I would go, okay, don't think don't think, don't think now you're thinking. And I felt like I was failing at it. And as a perfectionist, that was, mm-hmm. that did not feel good. Like I, I wasn't going to go back to it because I felt like I sucked at it. Mm-hmm. And what I had to understand was that meditation is not about clearing your mind. It's not about emptying your mind of thoughts because it is the job of your brain to think that is it, what it's doing to help you survive. It's instead changing the way that we relate to our thoughts. So it's about getting curious about like, what am I thinking right now? What am I feeling right now? And finding a bit of detachment from that. Like I often use the analogy of, you know, your thoughts and your emotions are sort of like clouds passing over in a sky, right? They're just going over top of you. You don't have to fully identify and, uh, and, you know, and, and be a part of that. And that sort of changed my relationship with it so that I understood better what I was trying to do and that I could get a little reprieve from my thoughts and and from the emotions. And what I always tell my clients is that, you know, anytime your mind wanders, that's a great thing. That's a good thing. It's like you're strengthening your ability to bring it back. It's like if you were at the gym and doing another bicep curl, right? It's another chance to practice bringing it back. So it's fantastic if your mind wanders, it's about noticing and coming back. And it doesn't just have to be that technique of, you know, just being present over and over. Like there's loads of different ways we can meditate. I work a lot with affirmation type of meditation. So having you repeat phrases over and over, because we talked about the importance of that, you know, subconscious reprogramming and what do we want to believe about ourselves? So I use those types of meditation techniques a lot, which don't require you to sit there and Mm -hmm. just pay attention to nothing in a way, pay attention to just the present moment. Like, I think that's a uh, you know, a technique that can be helpful. Practicing gratitude is another way mm-hmm. to practice meditation and really focus on, you know, all the, the good we have uh, in our life. We can even do like walking meditation, like being outside, being in nature, right? Connecting with like, what sounds do I hear? What sights and smells and what can I touch while I'm walking? Like that's a way to meditate that maybe feels more accessible for people than just sitting there on a cushion, you know, unguided and feeling like I can't do this. I have a million thoughts. Yeah. And I agree, especially because that's what everyone always says for some reason is when you have anxiety, oh, I could just meditate and like, it'll make you feel better. And someone with anxiety is like, like you said before, you want me just to sit with my thoughts? Like that's what anxiety, like that's what we're always running from. We're running from our thoughts. That's literally why we have anxiety. So when I remember my therapist, one of the things besides yoga was like, oh, like, why don't you try meditating? And I literally laughed out loud. I was like, ha, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. And we talked about like, why, you know, why are you so against meditating? Kind of similar to what you said is like, just being alone with my thoughts and, you know, you're supposed to be quiet and everything. I remember saying like, I hate you to go into libraries because it was too quiet. Like I did not like going to libraries because of the silence. 
And so she said to me, like, why don't you then do like a guided meditation? Like there's plenty of apps out there. So you don't really have to do the work of getting you to that spot. There's someone explaining. So they kind of feel like they're there with you to get to that spot. So I've used plenty of like free apps and things like that to help with guided meditations. And what I would do a lot of the times is what worked best for me is sometimes I would meditate right after I worked out. So like mm, you yes. do like the stretching and everything. And after I would stretch after my workout, I would stay there and put on like a guided meditation and kind of just sit there and be with my thoughts and go through. Sometimes it'd be like a gratitude meditation, self-love meditation. It would be um, like stress relief meditation, whatever I needed in that moment. And a lot of the times in the summer, I would go to the beach and I would sit in my beach chair and I'd put my AirPods in and I would listen to, you know, a, a guided meditation. But as I'm listening, like my eyes were closed, I would watch the waves come in, watch it go in and out. And it was very therapeutic because I was, you know, even though I was listening to something, I was still witnessing, you know, nature, like you said, and like going for hikes too is so therapeutic. And that still gets you in like a very meditative state. Mm -hmm. And like doing yoga that gets you into a meditative state. We don't think of it like that, but it actually does because it, you slow your body down, you slow your thoughts down, you're focusing on something else, but yeah. then your brain still has, because your brain's a magical thing. The, the more I learn about the brain, the cooler it is that you are able to get in that state of gratitude. Like after I work out a lot of times, I'm like, I always say like, I'm so grateful that like I moved today and I move my body and I'm able to do these workouts. And, you know, when I'm making like nutritious food for myself to help with anxiety, like even though sometimes cooking can be annoying and things like that, you know, always saying to myself, I'm so grateful I have the opportunity to make these types of meals for myself to help my body, help my mind. And I'm yeah. being intentional with the way that I'm just taking care of myself and I'm grateful that I have the opportunities in that way to take care of yourself. And when you kind of repeat that, like you're saying with the affirmations and stuff like that, when you repeat that to yourself and you take a moment and stop and like, look around and be like, I'm so grateful for what I have around me. And even sometimes I say to my anxiety, like, you know, thank you so much for looking out for me. Like, you know what? I understand why you're yeah. here. <laughs> you know, it's I a reframe. Yeah. Right. Like reminding ourselves like why we have it and that, I often talk, um, there's a course that I have the 10 day nervous system reset and there's a practice each day. And, um, one of the days is to write a love letter to your anxiety and to mm -hmm. say like, what are you grateful for, for your anxiety? Right? Like, well, I'm thankful that it's protecting me this long. Like I understand it's there looking out for me, trying to help me survive. Like that's, that's an incredible, beautiful thing. It, yeah. It comes along with these really uncomfortable symptoms that I don't want to feel, but the intent of it is so good and pure. Yeah. And one of the things I remember talking to my therapist about with anxiety, she's like, well, your anxiety is good. Like on a two scale, like on a scale of one to 10, your anxiety being a two is, is good because that's why you have such great work ethic. And like, you, you just, you're such a good person because anxiety is kind of like that little accountability friend sometimes mm -hmm. where, but it's not great when it's at a 10, most of the time, that's when we got to kind of have to reel it back. But anxiety does serve a purpose in our life. And so to not make anxiety the enemy, because when you do that, then you give it power and that's how it overwhelms you. But if you look at anxiety as just you know, a friend that sometimes needs to be checked and be like, Hey, you know, I, I hear you and I see you, but you know, let's really, you know, get to the root of where this is coming from, but still be grateful for it. Because like you said, it's protected you for this long and 
you know, it's, it's there for a reason and just finding the, the balance of it. It's what's really important. So yeah. I mean, Heather, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I mean, this was such a, it, I mean, cause it's gotten to that hour and I was like, ah, like we could just keep on talking for so long. <laughs> and it was just such a great conversation because it really helps people not feel so alone, not feel so isolated when it comes to having anxiety in their lives. So where can the Growth Mindset Gang find you, follow you, all that great stuff? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on, Allie. It was such a great conversation <laughs> and so great to connect with you and, and our audience. So again, for those listening, my name is Heather Lillico, and you can come hang out with me in my community, Cultivating Calm. So if you're someone who wakes up in the morning with a pit of dread in your stomach because you're thinking about the endless to-do list, or if you find yourself distracted throughout the day, procrastinating, you know, worrying about the what ifs, or if you can't relax without feeling guilty, mm -hmm. then you can download the Cultivating Calm app. So this app teaches you the habits that you need to feel confident, to be present in your day, to enjoy the moment, and to know that you can relax without feeling guilty. And it really brings together a lot of what we've been talking about today. So it's holistic anxiety support all in one place. It's easy and convenient on the go. And it comes at anxiety from every angle. It really gets at the, you know, the root of it. And I'm showing people in this app, like the exact formula that I use to manage anxiety. So it takes the overwhelm out of, out mm -hmm. of where to start. Uh, so people can download the Cultivating Calm app and start a free 14 day trial. And um, I'll mention as well that, you know, I know anxiety can be so isolating and so lonely and, and scary and overwhelming. So I'm also offering a free 30 minute one-on-one -on -one session with me for the first 50 people that sign up, uh, mm -hmm. because I want to give you a game plan for anxiety mm -hmm. and help you on this anxiety healing journey. So, um, in that session, that 30 minute one-on-one, -on -one, you'll walk away with three concrete changes that you can put into place right away to start feeling calmer. And once you start the free trial of Cultivating Calm, uh, then you'll be able to set up that uh, free strategy call with me as well. Love that. And everything that you just said, Heather, I'm going to link in the show notes. So make sure to check it out. I mean, following you on Instagram has been so great too, because you just make some such great content. I'm like, oh, I love like the message and it's really helpful just on a daily basis. So Growth Mindset Gang, definitely go check it out and follow Heather and join, you know, her free app and all the wonderful content that she provides. So again, Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. Loved having the conversation with you. Thanks for having me. Growth Mindset Gang, I have an amazing offer to share with you. I have recently created a mindset coaching program. Now, if you're listening and you struggle with imposter syndrome, people pleasing, overthinking, needing external validation, low self-esteem, indecisiveness, perfectionism, fear of failure, or lack of confidence, this coaching program can be aligned and serve you. With this coaching program, you would sign up with me for three months to receive one-on-one -on -one coaching via Zoom. We would meet either weekly or bi-weekly for 45 minutes to about an hour and really get clear on your mindset journey and what's the woman or who's the woman you want to become. Along with the weekly or bi-weekly Zoom calls with me, 
you would have a daily accountability messaging with me via Slack. So I do my daily check-ins with you and see how you're doing with your progress in between our sessions. You will also have access to the resource library that I will create where I will give you journal prompts. I will give you weekly self-reflection templates. I'll give you even book recommendations or we do a little mini book club together with a self-development book. Also, I'm going to be creating a Facebook group to also grow a community in this mindset coaching program. And if this feels aligned with you, you can also receive a huge investment discount if you are the first three to sign up with the three-month coaching program. If you are interested in this coaching program, you feel aligned, or you just want to talk to me and test it out and see if it works for you, you can click the link in my show notes to fill out a Google form to share with me what you want to work on and who's the woman that you want to become. How do you want to grow your mindset and fulfill and improve your mindset journey? And I will contact you. We hop on a discovery call for an hour and we talk about what are you struggling with right now? right? Where do you want to see yourself in three months? And I create a unique program just for you. And I'm here to be your coach, your supporter, and help you in your journey. So if this sounds amazing with you, or you just want to see and test it out, fill out that form. And when you fill it out, I'll contact you right away and help create a wonderful program to create your most authentic self. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as Heather and I enjoyed making it. It was all fun and smiles and great information. Go make sure to follow Heather on her Instagram, check out her website, check out her app. She creates content that is so useful and helpful in the anxiety and wellness and nutrition realm. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone who needs to hear it. Share it on your story and tag Heather and I and let us know your major takeaways. Rate, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me and rate me on Spotify. And remember, grow your mindset and look how far you'll go. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Part of the Boundless Audio Podcast Network.